welcome to another episode of That's a Wrap Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jay Rosales. I'm joined by Dre and our producer, Jason. And the Raptors are coming off fresh off a nail-biter of a game against the Miami Heat. Uh, We are recording this on a Wednesday evening. The game happened on Tuesday. Um, And just a quick reminder, this is a Raptors podcast by Raptors fans for Raptors fans. And I guess that's it for my intro. Dre, how are you doing, man? <laughs> Good. Um, not that losses are fun, but that was that was a hell of a game. And I think if there were any losses, uh, you know, this is one where outside of that overtime, it was reasonably good as a loss and a highly competitive game against two of the best in the East. All good. We'll get into that in a bit. Jason, how are you doing? I'm doing well, man. Freaking doing awesome because you know why? Jay-Z just dropped all of his entire discography on Spotify. And I'm here for it. I've been listening to it as much as I can. I wasn't a fan, but we're not going to get into it. Maybe we'll have an episode about like our best rap albums out there. But I'm really happy because Jay-Z and Tool is on Spotify. So happy. And also come to think about it like it's i was i was just honestly i was thinking about this earlier today we're so lucky to just kind of have the freedom to talk about the things we love like about the raptors uh, for this podcast like we're so lucky and we're so i'm so thankful to have you guys for one so i can talk to this about and also like the people who are listening like you don't have to listen to us you really can do whatever the hell you want but you're listening to us and we appreciate it like jay said this is a podcast by fans for fans and, and yeah, man, that's my introduction. Let's get yeah. into this, boys. Yeah, absolutely. Just on a quick yeah, note, let's... Captain Beefheart is still not on Spotify. If you want to know who that is, <laughs> listen to Trap Mass Replica. You will not be disappointed. You might hate me, though. Listen to that album. Anyways, yeah. Raptors Dre, time. Dre is a multi-talented everything. He's a writer. Uh, he is a oh, music uh, everything. Everything. So, so yeah, If you, any, any advice you have for pop culture, listen to Dre. Except for that. That's like a very obscure difficult album and i dare anyone to try and finish it it's amazing but i think you'll hate it (laughs) all right raptors time (laughs) enough about enough about us what about the raptors captain b part yeah (laughs) yeah let's well why don't we talk about the raptors and you know as i alluded to in the intro uh the raptors lost a nail biter of a game against the miami heat the first home loss of the season i was joking around a bunch of friends that you know it was kind of it sucks that we couldn't go the full season because the way this this was shaping out it was the raptors were going to finish the season undefeated at home and then of course lose round one game one at home right because that's <laughs> that's kind of the, the recipe yeah. of being a raptors fan right yeah. but uh yeah the it, it was a tight game it was a game that miami was in control of for majority of the game and mm-hmm. uh, the raptors showed a bit of their championship medal in terms of coming back mm-hmm. a game that you know in all honesty in my own opinion that they had no business being that close, let alone forcing overtime. So, you know, kudos to the to the Raptors and, and being able to fight back. Um, but yeah, thoughts on the Miami Heat. I mean, they looked a hell of a lot like the Raptors. So yeah. 
What do you guys think? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you said, it, it they didn't the Raptors didn't really have it that game, and I feel like it was. Uh, we're gonna get into it with all uh, with everybody coming back, and I'm not saying this is the bad thing about Lowry and Ibaka coming back for sure, because you know they they are well, he's Lowry's an All Star, and and Ibaka is has been a solid six man for us, but it's it's about getting back into the flow, and when you add mm-hmm. two like really really strong pieces, it's gonna take some time to get back into it, and for the Heat, like these guys have proven. Uh, uh, time and time again that they are a hell of a, a team to reckon with like the only losses for the Raptors at home is against Miami the only loss against at home for Milwaukee is against Miami and so they this this team is well coached they play hard they play physical they get into you they get into your body they they you're gonna get out of this game battled and bruised and they they showed it like again Toronto definitely didn't have a place um even to get back into the game. That's where I was impressed by. That's where the championship uh, pedigree comes in. But then you see an OT, you're like, oh, okay, 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 Jimmy Butler, I see you. All right. And it wasn't, I wasn't as, as, you know, devastated as previous years when we, when we lose. This was, I wouldn't say like a moral victory, but there was a lot of things to be happy about too. And we lost to a good team, honestly. Like Miami is a good team to 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 face. And when we lose like this, I can only see things that we can learn from. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I predicted that Miami would be at least in playoff contention when we were doing our, our picks earlier this year. I don't think anybody was expecting them to be second or third best in the East and like fifth best in the league. Like they're frighteningly good and they were doing well before Jimmy Butler was even playing with them. So, uh, I mean, kudos to Eric Spolstra who this entire time has proven that he is not a Tyron Lou. that, you know, he had a big three, a superstar team. And guess what? He still rolled with the punches. And to this day, I'd go out on a limb and I don't think it'd be controversial or a hot take to say Spolstra is easily one of the top five coaches in the league maybe even top three the guy is a fantastic coach and now that he's got all these pieces and these aren't like superstars the only superstar in this team is jimmy butler everything else is as you pointed out jay it feels like a raptors kind of equivalent of just a depth a teamwork based team that knows how to work with one another and it's even though it ended up being in a loss it's exciting to see because you know this is the type of team that I know it's a phrase that's tossed around a lot. It's fun to watch. It's not just a couple of superstars throwing alley-oops and stuff. It's a team that works together. It's pure basketball magic, and it's it's exciting. I mean, yeah, I don't know if it's Jimmy Butler just knowing how to, how to pump everybody up, if it's Spolstra, if it's the deep team that they have. I don't think they had any core weak pieces against their win against us. Um, they're, they're just exciting. Even though we lost, they're exciting. Yeah. No, and, and you're, you're right. They, they're they an exact doppelganger of the Raptors. Both teams have top five defenses. Both teams had to deal with missed games from their all-star guards. Um, Jimmy Butler missed a couple of games you know, due to the uh, birth of his child. Mm-hmm. Um, they've missed a couple of key role players. James Johnson was suspended. John Wayne was stupidly suspended um <laughs> raptors know exactly what that's like raptors have a top 10 defense dealing with the lowry and ibaka and anunobi injuries um and on the offensive end miami's got an offense that is you know extremely efficient with shooting number one in true shooting percentage the raptors are number four 
Miami's offense, uh, you know, is number nine in assist percentage, and the Raptors are number six. There are a lot of similarities there. And then if you go down to the actual players, you know, you already said it, Dre. Eric Spolstra is a coach of the year candidate, a la Nick Nurse. Um, they are led by a young stud in Bam Adebayo. We are led by a young stud named Pascal Siakam. And finally, I think the obvious uh, parallel here amongst all the players is both teams have an undrafted guard who is playing well at the rookie level mm-hmm. um, in Kendrick Nunn and Terrence Davis, both who also share the same uh, agent. So it's pretty crazy that... Uh, this this agency has has these two amazing guys who are greatly outperforming anyone who's actually drafted. So also um, uh, Duncan and, Robinson and going back too. to the question. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Also Duncan Robinson too. Duncan he, Robinson was, he was he was killing us. He was killing us from three. I'm pretty sure he's an undrafted rookie as well uh, at at 25 years old. So you're talking about some similarities when it comes to like you know the undrafted rookies that are coming into this league. And Spo has these guys playing and firing in all zones, and it's and it's kind of fun to watch. And it's I think where it's fun to watch is because you like you said, Jay, it's the parallels, right? You see the parallels with the two different teams, and we're, they're just pointing at each other. You got two two teams that play great D, two teams that play transition two teams that shoot the three and two teams that are well well coached and it's it's just it's kind of cool to watch someone like miami and someone like the raptors who no one really expected them to be this good you know that's why it wasn't it's such a hard loss to take it's more like a huh if if we see this in the playoffs it's it's it's, so whoever comes out of it is is going to be is going to be bruised and bloody that's for sure yeah, the Heat were absolutely, um, you know, mind blowing in terms of like, again, as we were all talking about, how they're able to match Toronto and even do better than Toronto in terms of in all the aspects that Toronto does well. For example, coming out of of halftime, I thought, okay, well, this is the Toronto. Toronto is the highest rated, or they have the number one net rating in the third quarter. So I figured this is when the comeback will happen, and mm-hmm. lo and behold. Nick Nurse's adjustments started to happen and we had a little bit of a mini run. But what impressed me about the Heat was that they were able to answer all of those runs and they were able to hit all those open threes. And that really does sound like the recipe that the Raptors have been using um, to get to where they're currently at. So very impressed by Miami, um, especially in terms of how they were able to shut down Pascal Siakam. Now that's something we haven't really touched upon yet mm-hmm. is Bam Adebayo's effect on this game. What did you guys think about how they were able to to shut down uh, Spicy P? Man, so I remember talking about this in my in the last episode, and Bam is like Dwight Howard uh, of maybe not as impressive when he was in the Magic, but he has the physique of Dwight Howard. He is as athletic as Dwight Howard when he was on the Magic. And it, how how mobile he is and how long he is, I think the the two biggest threats uh so far that we've seen for Siakam are Jonathan Isaac of the Magic and Bam Adebayo and both of them are mobile bigs they're very long uh they're very physical and they really get into Siakam's body where they don't allow him to get his rhythm and we we know that uh, Siakam has he's been growing a lot on the offense like he can shoot he can step out into those threes and his dribble has been okay so far and he and but he would always rely back to his spin move 
um, to get to the rim, get fouls or what have you, just to get a rhythm. Bam never let him do that. He was always physical with him, and that's what impressed me the most. It was no matter what, like if Siakam could get a bucket, it doesn't matter. Bam was going to be right up into you, and that's what impressed me the most. I think what Siakam has to do is just keep going and stop trying to finesse his way into a fadeaway or like a three pointer just to see the ball go in. In order to get the, in order to see the ball go in, go for a free throw. Try to get that um, whistle. Again, the whistle wasn't very you know it wasn't I guess favoring us but at the same time that last three-pointer by Norman Powell I honestly do think that was an out of bounds so maybe it was uh, karma (laughs) although I just think that the Siakam has to continue to attack 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 and I remember listening to him uh, on the post-game interviews he's like he just has to keep on being aggressive you can't shy away with the physicality because if you're the number one guy you're going to get beat up and are you going to take that as a number one guy you have to you have to the the team is asking you to do it and he's expected to do it for himself so that's what I think that Siakam has to do I'm very impressed with what Ben did I'm very impressed again with what Isaac has done to stop Siakam because not many people have done that so far but I think that Siakam has, has to, in order for him to be like the next step of like the top five, the, the MVP caliber, I know we're going to talk about that in the part two, but in order for Siakam to step up just a bit, he has to keep being aggressive. Yeah, um, this is what separates, let's be honest, you're an all-star from a superstar. And I mean, Pascal Siakam is still so young in his career that him being a superstar right now is unlikely anyway. Um a superstar figures out every possible maneuver to figure out every single situation. Siakam is so good because he's able to get by against so many people and so many notable people as well. And you don't need to be one of the best in the league to be able to shut down somebody like Siakam. You just need to know what to do, regardless of who who you are. And in this case, he met his match. So all he's got to do is approach the next time we face the, the Heat and figure it out. But I think as much as it is a, a sign of a good player that this happened, I think it's also a sign of good coaching that this happened as well, because on that front, it's also something that Nick nurse will have to take it to the next game where it's like, okay, if they're, they're doubling up spicy P like this, how are we going to get a better offensive game going? Cause as it was brought up before, the Raptors were pretty low on offense, especially with Lowry missing how many buckets at first, and how can we go about this? Because this is obviously a team that has a grit and grind like we do. And they play a similar style. So how do we go around this? And I think they'll be fine. It's just a, a, something that needs adjustments. Because let's be honest, we lost. But we caught up somehow. Forced it into overtime. That overtime, let's just ignore that. Because that was just terrible. But otherwise... They kept up with a team that was outranking us in almost every single way, even though we play a similar game. It just wasn't our night, and yet it almost was. So we just have to slightly outdo them coaching-wise and playing-wise, and both Nick Nurse and Spicy P will be fine the next time around. Yeah, yeah, like, like you said, he it wasn't really our game to win. It really wasn't, and we had a shooter's chance, and it was honestly because of Norman Powell. Norman Powell has been playing fantastic as of late, and starter or not, he's playing a lot of minutes too, and yesterday was Coach uh, Nick Nurse you know, giving him the trust and, and letting him, uh, Powell goes on these runs and goes on these like, hot streaks 
I'm glad that the team finds him. He he's a streaky shooter, right? But when he gets on these hot streaks, like he it doesn't look like he'll stop because he has that driving game. He has that three point shot on lock. So if you keep on feeding him, he's gonna get his more confidence uh, to during the game. And that that's what I'm glad that both Nurse and the players are allowing him to do so. So like like as as much as Siakam is going to find his groove, and I feel like uh, I feel like. Powell is also finding his group as well. I, I agree with everything that both you guys have been saying, uh, specifically around you know get making sure that Siakam is uh, is moving more and attacking more, and some of that does fall in Nurse and the play calling he does. Right, you could see from the get go that Siakam was very tentative and and not playing in a very comfortable level. Um, I think what can also help is uh, how Nurse handles his rotations, right? When when he's on the court with someone like a Bam Adebayo, then yeah, try to get as much switches as possible. Don't just leave him out there on an island. And then um, when Bam sits out, maybe you leave in Siakam a bit longer just so he can get a few of those easier quote-unquote buckets. Because even when Jimmy Butler was guarding him, who's an excellent defender and I believe number two in the league in steals, Siakam had his way with him, so it really is just a matter of possibly even staggering his minutes just so that he can get a few of those uh, easier buckets and get his confidence back up for whenever he does have to actually attack someone like an Adebayo. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, along those same lines, we, in terms of recapping how the Raptors um, could have done better, uh, we haven't talked about Kyle Lowry yet, and I'm interested to know what you guys thought about his game i know that he's he missed i believe it was 11 games he was out for a couple of weeks mm-hmm. and you know the the headlines will, will say that he missed all 11 of his three-point attempts but he seemed to be contributing in every other facet of the game so what do you guys think uh our captain or captain is back that's what he does right i mean if he's not going to score and you know let alone he did get 12 points he didn't shoot very well from beyond our arc, and there were plenty of times when he could. And he, they, he had some good looks too, but it's more so what he does on the floor. It's kind of, it's kind of like what um, Gasol does, right? He's not going to score very much, but he's going to do all the little things that don't come up in the stat sheet. Like he's going to uh, be that conductor on defense. He's going to talk. He's going to motivate. He's going to, uh, I guess, where in Kyle in Lowry's case, he's going to like be on the refs a lot right and i the leadership that kyle lowry brings to this team is second to none i don't think that whole notion of uh, does should lowry come off the bench should the the crazy notion that should kyle lowry be traded any of that stuff is nonsense it's nonsense kyle lowry is our top top leader on this team maybe not the player because we all know what siakam brings but as a leader yes Kyle Lowry is that. He he brings so much more than just scoring. The one that, the, I guess the stat that kind of uh, strikes me a little bit is the amount of minutes that he played. You haven't played for, for 11 games. I don't know what you've done in practice. None of us do. But 41 minutes in the first game back after an 11-game absence against a team that you know is going to run you at the gym or be physical with you, I think 40 minutes is a little bit too high. I think that Nurse has to game plan a little bit better when it comes to trying to allow not only Siakam, because again, th- like you said, Jay, there's going to be chess pieces that move. This this game for Nurse, and especially f- if you're facing someone like um, 
uh, Eric's posture, it's all about the chess pieces and what you're going to move, right? So if you're going to play Lowry four to one minutes and just keep trying to get him to get the flow of the game, I don't think that's that's going to work. I think you know that he has to get the rhythm back. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't. I'm not a uh, too. I'm not too afraid of what Kyle Lowry brought to the table the last game. I think he's going to slowly see his rhythm come back. And again, it's going to be a team effort for having to accumulate both Lowry and Ibaka to come back into the flow of the game. Yeah, that's a very good point you bring up about his minutes because it's not like we're the Warriors right now where we are exceptionally short-staffed. We have proven since Ibaka and Lowry have been absent that we have a lot more depth than we realize. Like, we don't just have a bench. We have a hell of a bench. So in the first game back where he's recovering from, like, you know, his thumb, which is clearly going to affect his shots still, he's got to get into the swing of things. I, I get that there was an overtime. I get it was a tough team. And I get what Lowry brings to the table. But, yeah, that's that's one very big faux pas I would I would raise from that game it couldn't have divvied up the responsibilities just a little bit more to again as you said it's a chess game with somebody like Spolstra who's very aware of all the cognitive cognitive pieces that he has and what they could bring to the board each each time each play so why wouldn't we keep throwing separate things rather than allowing Lowry who's trying to dominate the game to take what was it 11 missed threes and I, I know he's great in other ways, but there could have been some other maneuverings, especially because, I mean, the guy's playing like 40 minutes in his first game back and he's not 100%. He's close, but he's not 100%, clearly. Yeah, I think that also the the effect of Lowry was felt way more than just, you know, his missed threes. Um, I mean, he had that, that charge he took during our fourth quarter comeback. And was there more than one? I know there was one for sure. It happened around midcourt. Um, when none was passing out. So like it was, his impact is so, I mean, this was the quintessential Lowry game. And, you know, without him, I would, I would venture to say that I don't even think that we make that comeback, right? Yes, the, the missed threes are going to hurt, but at the same time, his ability to, um, you know, his basketball IQ was definitely missing. And you know, mm -hmm. I, I agree that Fred Van Vliet offers a different look, but at the same time, you know, there, there's. I don't think that we we even push it to overtime without without Lowry there. And in, in terms of the minutes, let's. Why don't we strip out the overtime minutes? Even at 36, that's a bit much to mm -hmm. expect someone like Lowry. You know, again, on the wrong side of 30, to come back from that type of an absence. So, um, you know, and and if we're gonna take it that far, I would have even said. I would have been okay with him sitting out one more game. Um, Miami is a very mm -hmm. physical team. Um, that's not the kind of team I would want Lowry to come back to play against. I'd rather him come back against the Rockets, to be all honest. So, uh, you know, it, it worked out. He didn't get hurt. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I just wish that, uh, you know, but you know, we know the way Lowry is. He wants to play every game. Yeah. He's a gamer, right? I mean, yeah. I'm sure uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they even said, you know, can you sit out one more game? And she's like, no, I want to be out there. I want yeah. to be the guys, you know, so. I think you literally um, said that, yeah. <laughs> what what, what did you say? Yeah. It was like no shit. I want to. I want to play or something like that. Oh, yeah, like, I'm tired. I'm tired of the shit. I'm tired of it. That's what it was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there, there was true. a very that's specific true. statement. So you, you I feel play. like if Lowry or when Lowry retires, uh, if oh, it be it a Raptor or not, 
when, when someone asks him about being a coach, I think that's going to be the same answer. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, yeah. like, just, I'm tired of that shit. No, I'm not going to do it. He's just going to want to play shit. until he's like 40. Did you all, well, also, I mean, also, I had no idea. Did you know that Udanis has him still on the heat? Yeah. I had yeah, no idea. That guy is 39, which is like 70 in NBA years. <laughs> yeah. It's like 80 he's got, almost. He's got the whites in his uh, beard hair now. Woo. So I'm assuming it's Vince <laughs> Carter, Olis, and then Udanis Haslam. That's, I, that has to be a good assumption, right? Yeah, who else is like over 40 that's still here? Nobody. I think Nobody. Carter. Yeah. Um, Crazy. Crawford? No, how old is he? Well, Crawford is not technically... In, well, he's not retired. He's also, yeah, he's not retired. He's just right. not been selected. Yeah, I think he's like 37 or something like that. Okay. okay. But anyways, so let's go back to the Houston Rockets. We're, the Toronto Raptors are scheduled to play the Houston Rockets uh, on Thursday, this coming Thursday. Again, we are, we are recording this episode on a Wednesday. And... The Houston Rockets actually just came off a devastating loss against the DeMar DeRozan-led Spurs. And this is a funny controversy because the Houston Rockets went down to a double overtime. Was it? Yeah, it was double overtime. And there was the, they also lost by one point. The Rockets did. The thing is in about the, I think the seven minute mark, uh, in the fourth quarter, James Harden threw a dunk. He stole the ball half, half court and he dunked it so hard into the hoop that it almost seemed like the ball never actually entered the cylinder so much so that the refs didn't count that point so in all honesty the houston rockets should have won that game so this this is why it's funny i don't know if this has ever happened before and um i want to ask you you guys if this, I know the league is has already apologized or, or admitted that they've missed that call. So if it does be, if that call is overturned, is it's either the Houston Rockets are going to be awarded that win, or that they have to play the remainder of the game from that seven minute mark the next time they face each other. Is that is, has that ever actually happened before? Not often, but occasionally. I don't know if it's because of an overturned call, but certainly a suspended game, for instance. And I remember um, SB Nation's YouTube channel. Not to shamelessly plug our our provider, but uh, it's true. They have a lot of good content on there. Uh, SB Nation's uh, YouTube channel provided some sort of instances like that. Where uh, interestingly enough, I don't remember the teams or the player, but one player within the time that the game was postponed, got traded to the opposing team, so he technically had stats on both teams for the same game. Oh, my which God. Is, which is insane. It's, <laughs> I don't remember what teams it was, but it was like back in the yeah, early did, 90s, I think. I don't even think it was that far. It, it happened, like I think, within the last uh, 10-ish years, I believe. Was it that recent? Yeah, yeah it, wasn't, it wasn't that long ago. That's crazy. But yeah, it, it, it is insane. Um, <laughs> and, and in terms of... Uh, going back to your question, Jay, about whether like what happens, you know, with this, um, what the trickle down effect of this too is like even if the the NBA does admit, okay, we missed out on this two points, it should have been a war to Houston, that changes the entire dynamic of the remaining seven minutes and fifty seconds of that game, right? Mm-hmm. Like the way in which the Spurs play will be different if they are, let's say, down by ten instead of down mm-hmm. by eight, right? So let me um, for, sorry, sorry, Jim, before, change, you, yeah. before you yeah. continue, uh, let me just say that Houston Rock has lost by two, not one. Just just want to paraphrase. Okay, so right. yeah, it would have been tied then. Okay. 
but it wouldn't have well, been tied that's in. That's the thing, right? It wouldn't have gone to like yeah, the the thinking is true. if everything turned out exactly as they turned out, then they would have actually won in regulation. True. But again, the 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 way the game is played is totally different uh, based off of that, even just that one outcome, right? So, mm-hmm, um, and and you know, reports out of Houston are that they were planning on protesting. They hadn't officially until just about uh, well, this is. This has just come through. Yes, they have actually officially uh, sent through a protest. They were trying to hold off thinking Mm -hmm. the NBA will take some sort of action where they don't need to file a protest. But they have 48 hours to actually file a protest. So, you know, we're already 24 hours in. They're like, okay, the NBA hasn't done enough. We're going to file a protest. Well, my question is, I have like, I'm not sure what could possibly happen out of this. Because even if they were to you know, uh, award the, the Rockets those two points, you cannot just assume that everything else after would happen exactly the same. Right. It would probably require uh, the rest of the game to be replayed. Uh, I don't, I really don't think that's the direction this is going to head towards. But so that's just if, my they, guess. if they ever actually did have to replay it, then they would play it again on December 16th when the Spurs meet the Rockets. Would they play it before the game? Would they play it after the game? The halftime? Like, how does that even work? How are the logistics working? Like, what about the people who wanted to buy tickets? Do they get, do they get like double the game or something like that? that that's, that's, that's crazy. That's crazy. And okay. Can I just, can I just say that if if this was the case, if something like this would have actually happened, and clearly it's already happening, do you guys remember, and I want to shout out Dylan Lippman from our own Raptors HQ. He pointed out, do you guys remember that game tying three against the Kings in 2016 where it didn't yes. count because of human error? If I want, I want to go back to that, and I want to make sure that I want to protest three years ago, <laughs> four years ago. And I want to replay that whole thing because that that's crazy. I want to go back and protest that so we can play that whole thing again. So if I'm just saying like, I don't think any of, if, if you're going to say that you made a mistake and that you missed that bucket, sure. That's, that's fine. You made a mistake. The amount of times that the refs have said, Oh, we've missed this call or this should have been a foul or whatever, whatever. But going back and saying we may give the Rockets the win or the Rockets the win or we have to replay it is crazy. It's crazy. If if it's, it's human error, it's human error. Especially because let's be honest, the Spurs can't buy a freaking win, so that would be really sad because they actually win and then it's going to get taken away from them. It's the season of not so good teams having their success stolen from them. DeAndre Ayton gets a drug test. The Spurs <laughs> have to forfeit the game, possibly. It's it's like the the Warriors, uh, you know, they they lost in the playoffs and now they're the 2019 Warriors. So what more do I say? So yeah. it's it's just one of those seasons. Unfortunately, I, yeah. I would like the Raptors to um the Raptors 0.5, not the 2.0, because they're they're the Raptors, but they're not. They're not the current Raptors. They just aren't. But the the San Antonio Raptors, I hope they do all right because, like, you know, they got to win against a really good team, and this would suck if they had it stripped away from them because of, you know, human error, right? Yeah, yeah, that's I, fair. I found I found the example. I found the example of a game that was replayed. It was December nineteenth of two thousand and seven. Uh, the Hawks and the Miami Heat, ironically. Uh, had wow. to replay the last 52 seconds of of their game. Um, I won't go into the details on why that had to be done. Uh, just the fact that they did, to your point, Jay, about 
you know, replaying this on the same day that you're actually facing that same opponent, that is what they did. So they that... they played out the last they played out the last 52 seconds of the replayed portion of the game. Then each team got a 15 minute break before starting oh my a new game. <laughs> so it has it has been done, and that was only in December of 2007. So that, that was only 12 crazy. years ago. I can't even fathom that. Was long that. ago, yeah weird wow okay okay so let's not hark on the past um let's see what the nba does because that is very very interesting i would i would pay a lot of money to see what happens uh, actually i won't because i don't have very much but i would want to see what happens against <laughs> the spurs and the houston rockets but let's focus on the houston rockets versus the toronto raptors james harden is arguably changing history or making history right now he's putting himself on the record books he is scoring I know it's a quarter way through the year, but he is scoring an average, dog, an average 39.5 points per game. A near 40 points a game. I, okay, so I know that I don't know what I don't want to go to a Houston Rockets tangent because I know whether we can. And, and I, I wish we had uh, Sully from Raptors HQ to, to come out because he's a huge Houston Rockets fan. But the fact that he's getting 40 points a game, and I know that this is a different error. Uh, like it would James Harden, you know, uh, play well in the nineties or something like that. But like you play the game that you you that you're playing in now. You play the team that you you're facing at at the time. And James Harden right now is literally changing the face of basketball right now. Like I I I don't know if it's crazy to think like he's definitely in the MVP talks for sure. But it's not only that he's literally making history. I don't see. I can't. I can't. Like I'm not trying to argue with people who don't think James Harden is or uh, changing the game or or he's good or not because I know that he's getting a lot of foul shots. But the th thing is, like last last game, he got like 23, 24 foul shots. He made the 24, 23 foul shots. You know, like that's still very impressive. So you have to give it to this guy um, that he's making 40 points, averaging 40 points. Do you know how incredible that is? I just, oh my God, that's crazy, man. Yeah, like when you say he's he's changing the face of basketball, he's clearly uh, putting a beard on it. I mean, like everybody, <laughs> a good way. everybody uh, mocks his, his lack of defense, but he removes those stat numbers and puts them into his offensive rating, you know, his assists, his points, his offensive rebounds, because, I mean, the guy is an absolute monster offensively, and it's interesting that you brought up that he is changing the face because in the same way that the Warriors, like the Splash Brothers, were extending the field, this guy is changing how people work about gather steps, for instance, or, um, you know, landing when they take shots to, to accumulate those, those uh, trips to the line. So he is, to an extent affecting the way a lot of modern players are reading the game, especially people like Jimmy Butler or uh, like a Kyrie Irving. Like you're noticing these gather steps that weren't there maybe five or five to 10 years ago. Right. But they're a strategy now because again, look how often he goes to the damn line. Mm -hmm. So, And I feel like players are realizing this too. Like not even uh, today uh, when they had, when the Raptors had a scrum, um, after practice, they Fred Van Vliet was saying how like he he watches these games. He watches games uh, or NBA regularly, but he's watching James Harden, and he wants like all players want to know how to get fouled like James Harden. And it's not a dig to him. That's a skill. That's a skill to get 
foul call so you can yeah, get on to the line. Them. He draw yeah, exactly. He's drawing. He's not just like uh are uh, asking for these foul shots. He's he's making them work, right? And he's getting these um pockets where he's knowing where or people are reaching now people are afraid to even put their hands up you know like this is a skill that james harden has and we have never seen it before the value of what he brings to the table is incredible uh he is currently you know we we talk about you know you guys mentioned free throws and i'm thinking also in terms of uh three pointers how much more he hits than anyone else in free throws for example the step he's backs. hitting for yeah no uh, but just just even the free throws he is hitting 49% more free throws than the next best player in the NBA. 49%. Who was it? Luka Doncic. Oh. So, so Luka Doncic is second in the NBA with a total of 158 free throws. James Jeez. Harden has 261 free throws already. That's <laughs> Holy incredible. Shit, it's like in 20 games. Right? I, I saw a stat uh, on, on I think, Sideline Sports on Instagram where James Harden or Stephen Curry had like 289 free throws last season. And James Harden has already surpassed that this year. Shit. That's crazy. Which is, which wow. is and then And then, you know, speaking, Trey, about those step back threes, threes in general, he is only, quote unquote, 31% higher than the second largest uh three points made um in the league so it's what he's doing is is totally a game changer and uh, you know to tie this back into the raptors how the heck do you stop a force like this OG and like harden who og and an oh. obi <laughs> well hello I'm there <laughs> i'm putting it out there og and an obi is uh, going to stop him I'm, he's going to give him a tame 29 points i'm calling it I'm calling it right there if if we guys have forgotten, there's a YouTube clip that is flying around there in OG's uh, rookie season. The only time that Houston came into town, because obviously they only come into town once a year, OG really pestered the hell out of him. Uh, he, he forced him into a very bad game. I will find the YouTube clip and I will tweet it out or something. You guys got to watch it. He looked great as a rookie. Two years later, he's even looking better. So I, I really am looking forward to him matching up with with Harden and you know to add mm-hmm. some context to your prediction there Jason um Harden has a total of four games out of 20 or something like that so far four games where he's had less than 30 in other words he has 30 or more points in the other 16 games this season uh in those four games uh that he scored less than 30 three of them were at least 27 points so it was either 27 <laughs> 20 or 29 and he had one game where he had points, and this is the one you want to keep note of. One game where he was absolutely shut down, it was against the Bucks, And, mm. you know, they have a very, very uh, amazing defender in Giannis Ndetokounmpo and a very great defensive team in general. Uh, that is the blueprint, right? Whatever Milwaukee was able to do, uh, Toronto mm-hmm. has the same pieces defensively to, to copy that. We could go toe-to-toe with them, so yeah. Milwaukee is number one in defensive rating at 101.9, and Toronto is number four at 102.7. So if you're going to ask anybody to stop a force like James Harden, I feel like we have not only the players, but we also have the, the coach do so. Um, I, was, I was just reading up on Kevin O'Connor's uh, a piece on Toronto and, I guess, uh, Siakam, and they've, there's, there's so many uh, examples of why... 
of what they have been doing uh, on the def- defensive end. And I think it's it's all about how Nurse uh, is going to change in-game, like how he adjusts in-game. And I feel like for when it, when it comes to someone like someone like Harden, you don't really stop him, to be honest. It's kind of like at Adekumbo. You don't really stop the guy because he's going to get, you know, he's, he's an all-star player, he's a superstar player. But it's allowing, is not allowing the other players to step up. Like, or forcing them to, right? So you have someone like Westbrook, obviously, he's he can he's able to take for the game, but he's going to shoot like 11 out of 40, right? Or are you going to allow, are you, is Austin Rivers really going to take over the game and beat you with 40? No. If you're going to allow James Harden to have 40 points because obviously he's averaging it, fine. But don't allow, dare others to get 30 40 or, or 25 in this case like you this is what i feel like i honestly if we're going to talk about predictions i feel like we can do this i feel like the only teams that we have trouble with are teams right are 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 good um team uh, uh teams in the nba i guess like the boston celtics the the milwaukee bucks the miami heat these guys have players and one of them has a very big superstar but they're teams that are beating us right but when mm-hmm. it comes to individual stars clearly we've had uh great success we've uh against the superstars like lebron james uh, Kawhi leonard uh damian Lillard. we've had good experiences when it comes to shutting down those superstars so i feel like this is a time an- another example another good test uh, for the Raptors to show that we can be, we are the number four, clearly we're the, we're the number four defensive rated team in the NBA. Yeah, that's an excellent point because uh, once we shut down their superstars or we give them a hard time, we expose how much of that individual the team relies on. So in the in the case of the Heat, they clearly had enough, enough cut spot to be able to continue uh, and spread it out. So therefore it posed to be a problem. With somebody like, the Houston Rockets, which is obviously still a very solid team. If we can give James Harden, and let's not forget the other guy in the room, uh, Russell Westbrook, a problem, what are they going to be like? Especially with the not-so-great defense, which they make up for with two of the best offensive players in the league. So what would that look like? I, I, I'm curious to know because they might have an answer seeing how well they're coached and how many good pieces they actually have outside of those two leaders. Or it could be a, a complete and utter blowout for us. I'm actually going to argue against what uh, you said there, Jason, about, you know, we can live with, uh, you know, Harden scoring 40 as long as no one else does uh, does perform well, like an Austin Rivers or a Russell Westbrook. Uh, I'm actually thinking that because of what we said about OG Anunoby, and because there is also a run Jefferson waiting in the wings um, to... To help on the defensive end while while OG sits, uh, I actually think that we have the capability to you know keep him as you were saying earlier, keep him under thirty, and that will allow you know the trickle down effect of that is just that then there will be more of a reliance on Westbrook, and we already know about Westbrook's horrible shooting percentages. So this is why I think that a victory over the Rockets is possible. I know. He, the Raptors have typically had problems with Houston in the past, but this has really the makings of a classic. So I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to watch, you know, OG versus Harden and how he shuts him down. And let's flip to the other side and remember that 
Houston is not a great defensive team. They're currently, I believe, 16th or 17th in the league in defensive rating. Oof. And the Raptors are still a, you know, even after last uh, last night's game against the Heat, they dropped a bit, but they're still 7th in the league in offensive rating. They're a very solid offensive team. And with Lowry back in the mix and Nurse getting used to how to juggle a full lineup, I fully expect us to get what we want on offense and play well enough on defense, specifically on Harden, to uh, close out a victory. Okay, yeah, let's see it. I, I'm, I'm definitely very intrigued. Uh, we only faced Houston twice a year, and uh, I feel like if this is the time to show um, that we are able to face the top dogs, this is it. But I feel like we can probably put a wrap on this episode, on this part one of this episode. Uh, quickly, though, I want to get your predictions. Trey, Jay, what do you think about uh, tomorrow's game versus Houston Rockets? I'm going to predict a win. I think we could pull it off. Win. There you go. All right. Well, I guess that's three wins for all of us, right? Uh, but I guess this is the time for us to wrap up again. We're again, the listeners, we're going to give you two parts uh, every week, part one and part two. This is going to be the conclusion of part one. So check us out part two, hopefully on Sunday. But until then, we'll talk to you guys uh, at least tomorrow when we face the Houston Rockets. So until next time, Dre, where can I find you, brother? You can find me on Twitter at Andreas Babs. Follow my film review and editorial website, Films Fatale, F-I-L-M-S-F-A-T-A-L-E, no space, dot com. And you can find my Best Picture project, still going through every single Best Picture winner. Um, currently in the 80s, uh, things are going to drop a little bit in quality. There's some winners, there's some real losers. And uh, eventually I'm going to be getting into my end of the year goodies and uh, the start of Oscar season. So it's good stuff. Jay, where can we find you? Ooh, yeah. I remember when you launched uh, Films Fatale last year, right in like January, I believe, right? Yeah, it was, was... Uh, New Year's Day. <laughs> It was amazing. Uh, I remember showing that off and, and oh, the amount of work you put into that is, is mind-blowing. But anyways, make sure you guys check that out. Uh, as for me, you can find me on Raptors HQ uh, with my weekly wrap-up report um, uh, previewing the games of the week. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at R-O-S-A-L-E-S-A-U-R-U-S. Over to you, Jason. Dope. All right. And you can find all of us, all three of us at That's A Rep Pod on Twitter. Make sure to uh, check us out uh, also on Raptors HQ. If you guys are trying to find us on all your podcatchers, look up Raptors HQ because that's where you'll find us. And also give us an email. Give us a shout at That's A Rep Podcast at gmail.com. But until next time, boys and girls, That's A Rep.